The goodness of God is never failing. As I was watching that last one there, I'm reminded of what God's Word says to us. It says, you know, God controls how far the oceans can go. And as I watched the video and it, the water comes up to the shore and it doesn't overtake the land, it stops, does it not? Stops at the beach. The Bible says God stops it. God determines how far the water can go. That's a powerful God. That's a good God. That's a God who loves us. That's a God who loves us no matter what. He knows us and He loves us and He sees us and He knows all about us. And in spite of that, He still loves us. Awesome, awesome God that can control the Atlantic and the Pacific Ocean and the Indian Ocean. You just name an ocean. And he says, that's as far as the waters can go. What an awesome God that we serve. Clarence, would you pray for us, please, before we start? Clarence, would you pray? You bet. Thank you, Clarence. Thank you, thank you. We will be in a book that maybe we've never looked before, and we're going to be in 2 John. 2 John, it's easy to find. You go to 1 John, and if you go too far, you go to 3 John, and right between 1 and 3 John is 2 John. So that's where we're going to kind of focus here just a little bit. The title of the message, I hope I can find 1 and 2 John. It's somewhere in here. Yeah, there it is. There we go. The title of the message is, it's kind of a takeoff from last week, kind of just a second part of last week, if you would. Love is the theme. Love is supreme is the title of the message. Matter of fact, I think we sang about that today. Amazing. Last week, last week we talked about love is the theme. And if you remember, we talked about how, how the Apostle Paul in, in uh, 1 Thessalonians was telling us that we are to love one another. And then he took it a little bit farther, if you'll remember, and then he includes in that phrase, to love all people. He kind of upped the ante there a little bit. So we looked at that last week, and he encouraged us to, to love 
to love people. We looked at the kind of, of love that uh, a husband and a wife has for each other. Uh, we looked at the kind of love that a parent has for their, their children or brothers and sisters, the love that they have. We looked at the kind of love that friends have with, with other friends. And then we looked at uh, uh, the supreme love. We looked at God's love. We looked at uh, agape love. The kind of love that says, um, I love you unconditionally. I love you uncompromisingly, sacrificially, selflessly. The way God loves us. And as, as we are his children, we are to, to in turn to love others with that kind of of love. We know that that is a hard thing to do. But we can do it through the love of God who lives within us. It is a love that says, I will love you even though you do not deserve it. I will love you because even though you're unworthy of love, but because God is love and God has commanded us to love in such a way, then I will be obedient to that. And I will love you just like God has loved you. Today we're going to look at, uh, uh, continue that kind of theme if you would. We're going to look at a practical way what it, what it looks like to uh, maybe put some meat on that bone of, of loving others and loving one another and to loving all people. And that's kind of where we want to go today. Just to, to take that theme just a little bit, a little bit further in loving one another and loving other people, and we can we can kind of see some of this in uh, uh, the book of Second John, if you would. Uh, probably not a book that we uh, we spend a lot of time in. Uh, this little book has thirteen verses. Uh, there are three different outlines in that book. We won't. We're not going to preach all three of them today. But uh, verses one through four kind of is telling this sweet lady, uh, you know the truth, and and. Uh, uh, you should live by the truth that you have been taught. Verses 5 and 6 will tell us there is a God commandment to love one another. And then 7 through the rest of the chapter talks about some false prophets and false teachers that will be coming down the road that one must be aware of and how she would be able to deal with that. So that's, that's kind of this very small book, but there's really three messages in there. We're going to include probably 1 through 6 today and, and, and look at what, what uh, the Apostle John is is writing to this. If you look at verse 1, it says, The elder to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth. Supposedly this book, some people say it was written to a church, but most, most everybody says this was a, a letter written to a lady, a sweet lady that had children. And apparently this, this, this old gal has written the Apostle John and and, and kind of ask him a question about, about what to do. And, and this lady is a, a Christian. She has been born again. It says right there she, she knows the truth. And, and she's writing, how do, I, how do I love people? See, what was happening back in the day, just to kind of give you a little background there so you'll understand what we're talking about. They didn't have churches like what we have today back in that day most of the time. Most of the time they would meet in homes uh, they didn't have a building like this. Some places did, but most of the smaller ones didn't. And they would meet in people's homes, and they would have a worship service there. And uh, that's just, just how they did things. 
And apparently we could see in, in verses 7 through 11 that, that there are some false teachers that were, were wanting to come in. That there were people in the church who wanted to use her home as a church service. But yet she knew that there was a falseness there. There was false teaching. There was false teachers. Uh, that the truth would not, be, would not be given out. And she just did not want this in her home. I mean, can you blame her? I mean, she just she didn't want that. And she's writing the Apostle Paul, what, what am I supposed to do? Because she said that I've done this. I, I've said, you cannot use my house as, as, a, as a house of worship because you're going to be teaching the wrong things. And apparently the lady was being ridiculed and mocked and made fun of. And they were trying to uh, uh, ruin her reputation, if you would. And, and, and she is writing the Apostle Paul and said, man... What am I supposed to do here? What am I supposed to do? I mean, it's a religious gathering. They're coming to my house, and yet they are not teaching and not preaching the truth. And then on top of that, they're making fun of me and criticizing me because of my stand. What do I do, Paul, John, excuse me? What do I do, John, in a situation like that? Well, let's see. At the second, that the second part of chapter of verse one, it says, uh, "Not only I, but also all who know the truth." Sweet lady, you know the truth. <laughs> Sweet lady, you know what to do. You might not think you do, but you know. You have been taught the truth. You know what the truth is. And what is that truth? We'll skip down to verse five. Now, I ask you, lady, not as though I were writing to you a new commandment. I'm not saying anything new here because you know the truth. But the one which you have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. Sweet lady, you know what to do. And he is telling her that that is the truth. I said, I'm not telling you anything different. This is not a new commandment. But you know what the commandment says here. It is to love one another. You mean I have to love them no matter what they say about me? I have to love them even though they have hurt me? I have to love them even though they're trying to ruin my reputation? And the Apostle John would tell her what? You know the truth. You know the commandment. You are to love one another. Man, that's hard to do. Man, that's just hard to do. Somebody's coming at you like that. Somebody's trying to ruin your reputation. They've got something to say about you. Talking behind your back. And yet John and Paul both are saying we are to love those kind of folks. How do we do that? And we told you last week, you can't do it on your own. You can't do it on your own strength. Because humanly speaking, you don't want to do that. That is not how you are wired. That's not how you are geared. That's not something that you want to do. And yet John says we are to love one another. How do we, how do we get to that point? Well, if you just think about it, the God who lives inside of you through the Holy Spirit, the Bible says God is love. And if the God of love is living with inside of you because you have been born again, you are a follower of Christ, then love needs to come oozing out of you. 
And the only way you can love those kind of folks, the Bible will tell us, is we depend on the Holy Spirit to give us that kind of love for those kinds of people that do not deserve our love. Cannot be done. That is something that you and I must pray for that, okay? We've got to pray for that. I mean, it's in a commandment. We've looked at that in the past. How do I get that? Oh, Father. Father, I, it is impossible to love that person. I can't do it in my own strength. But God, through you, I can love that person. I can love them like you have commanded me to love them. And the only way I can do that is for you to give me that kind of love for that person. I am incapable of doing that. And when we begin to pray, and I guarantee, I bet you, and most people in this room right here, when, when we're starting to talk about this, I bet you somebody came to your mind. <laughs> I bet you did. Okay? Because when I'm studying this, somebody came to my mind. <laughs> okay? So I bet it's happened to you too. And as Father, I can't love them unless you love them through me. And you give me that kind of a love. I can't do it. And I think what you'll find is when you begin to think like that and ask God to, to give you that kind of agape love that only he can give you. And then as you ask him for that, and then, at, then when you begin to pray for that person, oh my goodness, preacher, you're telling me to do what? To pray for that pe- person that you don't want to pray for. Pray for that unlovable person. Pray for that person that, man, I just can't forgive her and him. And you begin to speak that name. And you begin to take that name to the very throne room of of grace. And I can promise you, promise you according to God's word, that after a period of time, as you pray for that person and you pray for yourself to receive that, your heart will be changed according to to that person. Your heart will be changed and your attitude will change. And you'll begin to see that person just a little bit differently. Because, see, the God of the universe is now changing your heart and changing your perspective because you have asked him to do that. And he's asked, you ask him to do that because you understand that is his commandment to us, to other people. Can it be done? Very much so. But it has to be done through the Holy Spirit. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven 37 through 39 says, You shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. That's the first and greatest commandment. But then the second is like it. <laughs> Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You mean this sweet lady? You're wanting her... To love the friends but not the enemy? You want this lady to love the good but not the mean? You mean, John, you want her to love the righteous but not the sinner? John, you want her to love the kind and not the critical? John, you want her to love the lovable but not the unlovable? John, is that what you're saying? No. John said, I want you to love them all. I want you to love them all. And, 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 and we looked at that last week. But she's, you know, the world doesn't tell us that, does it? The world has a different viewpoint on that. The world says, yeah, you can love the people you want to. 
You can love your friends. You can love the nice folks. But for the rest of those folks, you can just ignore them. You can mistreat them. You can hate them. You can hurt them. You can do whatever you want to. And I'm here to tell you, when, when a Christian chooses that, when a Christian chooses that path of, I'm going to do whatever I want to because I just don't like you. You are living like the world. You are living like the culture that we live in instead of living as Christ who lives in us. You see the difference? When we, when we, dis, when we decide, I'm not going to like you, I'm not going to, that's just what the world says. But Christ said, no, I want you to have a different approach, a different attitude. I want you to be different in the way you love with people and approach to people. So that the love of Christ will what? Come flowing out of you. And the world will go, wow, where did that come from? How can you love somebody like that? And the answer is because the God of love lives within me. And he has commanded me to love you. John 13, 35 says this, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. By this all men, everybody else will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. As Christians, we have to want the world to know (laughs) that we are Christians. We can't be a hidden Christian. That's not part of the game. By this, the world will know who we are. We have to, maybe pride is not, uh, proud is not the right word, but we ought to be proud that we're Christians. That that we have accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, and we are one of His followers. And because of that, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Romans 1.16. I want everybody to know. And, 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 And the writer says, one of the ways that people will know who you are, that you've been born again is by the way you love other people. Man, he's, you know, when Jesus was talking about that, man, he's kind of up the game, hadn't he? <laughs> I mean, he's really setting that bar pretty high. The world will know that you are mine by the way you love other people. My prayer is that we will love other people like we are supposed to. And I have prayed that this week, that I will have that kind of love And I pray for this church body that you will have that kind of love. That the world will know that you are born again by the way that you love other people. Romans 12, 9 9 gives us another, if you would, a birthmark of being a Christian. A birthmark that, that says this, and there it is up there. Let love be without hypocrisy. Let love be without hypocrisy. Well, what does that mean? Well, let me give you a few things, okay? Loving without hypocrisy. First thing, don't pretend really love them. It's not a pretension. It's not pretending that you love them. But you really do love them. Let me give you some verses. First John 3, 8. Little children, let us not love with word and tongue, but in deed and in truth. I know when I was in college, I used to have a little thing on my bulletin board there that I cut out it, it was a, some sort of advertisement for AT&T and it said talk is cheap talk is cheap and I had that on there for all six years when I was in college <laughs> four and a half years talk is cheap what does that mean 
You can say all you want to, but your actions, Jim told us this in Sunday school, but your actions speak louder than your words. Okay? What you do speaks louder than your words. 1 Timothy 1.5 says it this way. But the goal of our instructions, Paul would say, is love from a pure heart with a good conscience and a sincere faith. How do we get a good conscience? We confess our sins and we allow him to cleanse us and forgive us of all unrighteousness. How do we have a sincere faith? We pursue the things of God. We love the things of God. We read his word. We pray. We do what he tells us to do. We have a sincere faith. We honestly believe that we love the Lord with all of our heart, our mind, and our soul. And if we have this sincere faith, if we have this good and clear conscience, then I believe we can have what it says, love from a pure heart. If we have a clear conscience, if we have a sincere faith, we can take that back to the first part of that verse. We'll have a pure heart for other people, which means what? We will choose to love them no matter what. But if our conscience is not clear, and our conscience won't be clear if we allow sin and harbor sin in our lives and never deal with it. We'll never have a clear conscience because of that. We'll never have a sincere faith if we do not pursue the things of God. If the things of God are not important to us, if it's something that we just don't feel like doing, if it's important that we have other things besides reading His Word and praying and doing what He's called us to do, if, if we, our faith is not sincere, we will never, ever have a pure enough heart to be able to love the unlovable and to forgive the unforgivable. It's just not going to happen. 1 Peter 1.22 since you have in obedience to the truth, you've been obedient to the truth. Purify your souls for a sincere love of the brethren. Fervently love one another from the heart. Fervently, that's just not like, yeah, maybe. That is a strong desire to love people from the heart. And then the last verse I'm going to put up there that I just I thought of that this morning, James one twenty two. Basically, it says, be doers of the word <laughs> and not hearers only, deceiving or deluding your own selves. Okay, be you doers of the word. Love is an action word. Okay, love is not just speaking that talks cheap. It is doing something, acting it, loving without hypocrisy, really loving people. Be doers of the word. You know what the word says. We've told you for the last two weeks. Be doers of the word, not just not. Not just hearers. It's easy to hear. I wish that's all we had to do is just hear it. <laughs> but that's not the Christian faith, is it? Christian faith says we must be doers of the word. And the doers of the word says we are to love one another, comma, all people. Second thing that I think we can see that love without hypocrisy means it is unconditional. Unconditional. First John four nineteen. We love because he first loved us. Isn't it great that God loves us no matter how we are? We didn't have to clean up our act before we came to Christ. We didn't have to shave, put on fancy clothes. We didn't have to do any of that. We didn't have to confess our sins before we came to the Lord. All he said was what? Come, come, and I will give you life and life abundantly. That's love unconditionally.
He loved us when we didn't deserve it. He loved us even when we rejected Him. He loved us even when we were rebelling against Him. Guess what? He still loved us. And you see, because, because, because He loved us when we didn't deserve it, because He loved us when we rejected Him and we rebelled against Him, because He did that, and because as Christians we are called to live a life like Christ, to live a life that looks like Christ, you understand, we have to love those who are undeserving. Love those who are rejecting Him and us. Love those who rebel against us and rebel against Him. Because you see, we are called to be like Christ. To live a life with Christ. And if Christ loves unconditionally, guess what? <laughs> we, we are called to be like Christ, which means we are called to love unconditionally. No strings attached is what that looks like. That's what love without hypocrisy is. Love is unconditional. In Romans 8, we read these things that I don't have that on the board. But it says, what can separate us from the love of God? And it goes and lists about 10 or 12 things there. We're not going to hit those today. But what can separate us? And the answer is nothing. <laughs> okay, that's the answer. And if, and if God loves us so much that nothing can separate us from Him as His, as his children, are we not called to love in such a way that nothing separates us from the love of people that we come in contact with? Love of other friends, love of people in this church, love of people on the other side of the church, love everywhere. Nothing should separate us from the love of God that, that pertains to the love of people. Love without hypocrisy is also sacrificial. 1 John 3.16 says this, We know love by this, that He laid down His life for us. That we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren, brethren being other believers. Genuine love means we want the best for other people. We see a, a friend in need. We've seen somebody needs help. What do we do? Do we go to them and help carry the load? Very much so. It is putting the welfare of other people in front of our own welfare. It is love in action, not love in speaking. You see, we are to be sacrificial in our love. There are times when we just, <laughs> myself too, boy, there are just things that I just don't want to do, but I know, I know God's called us to do that, to sacrificially give up some of our time, of our talent, of our money, whatever it might be, in order to help somebody else. That's sacrificial love. Christ demonstrated that on the cross, did he not? And he set the example for all of us. Love without hypocrisy is also humility. It is being humble in our approach. Philippians 2, 3. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. But with humility of mind regard one another more important than yourselves. Galatians 6, 5 says we are to carry the burdens of others. When we see a, a, a brother and sister in Christ who, who needs help, it's a picture of you and I coming alongside of this person. 
and walking this path with them in order to help support them in their time of need. I know it was this week I was, I was with a guy and we were, we were carrying uh, eight foot sections of plywood. And, and one guy could carry it. But it's kind of heavy and kind of bulky. And, you know, if you're trying to carry that or sheetrock, it's kind of hard to, hard to deal with. And he was picking one up and he's kind of struggling with it. And I just came by and just picked up the other end of it. And so he's on one end and I'm at the other. How much easier that was? You know how easy that was to carry that, that, that heavy load? See, that's a picture of us as being Christians also. We see a people struggling with, with life and, and the burdens of life and the weight of life. And as Christians, we are called to come up and walk beside that person to help pick up part of that load, to get the other end of whatever they're dealing with and to help them and to carry them and carry their burdens. What a beautiful picture of what love is as we step across what the line of our living and we step into somebody else's world to say, hey, I'm, I'm here for you. Let me pray for you. Let's talk about it. Let me help you carry that load a little bit. Let me make your life a little bit easier. And that's love without hypocrisy because we have humbled ourselves in order to serve somebody else. What a beautiful picture that might be. And the last one there is love without hypocrisy abides in God's word. Abides in God's word. You can't do this without abiding in God's word. And it's that great, great chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. It's called the love chapter. And it's called the love chapter because it is a, it is a picture of the characteristics of God. Did you know that? It is a picture of the characteristics of God. This is, this is who God is as we look at this list here real quickly right now. It also is a picture of the personality of Jesus as he walked on this earth. This was his personality. We can see it here because he is love. Jesus is love. God is love. This is how he interacted with people. And if that is a picture of God's characteristics and that's, that's Jesus' personality, as believers, guess what? This should come from us also. This is the way we interact with other people in other relationships. And I'll just put this little tidbit in there. This this doesn't cost you nothing. If you would just do these things in your marriage, how good your marriage would be. When I talk to people about getting married and, and counseling, that kind of stuff, I always bring 1 Corinthians 13 up. Because it is... Uh, the way that we interact with other people because it is the very characteristics of God. Just to do these real quickly, uh, you know what these are. Uh, not a lot of explanation, but I want you to know. The first one there, love is patient. Love is patient. Would you say God is patient? Yeah, I'd say so. It took Noah 120 years to build an ark. All that time, Noah's saying, y'all repent. God's coming. Judgment's coming. 120 years. Nailing that ark together. I think that's patience. I think it's patience when he's waited on you to become born again. We are to extend that same kind of patience. We all have struggles in life. We all have weaknesses in life. Christians, we are to extend patience to other people. Why would we do that? Why would we extend patience to other people? 
so that they can see the love of Christ in us. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is nice. Love is extending grace. One of the things I talk about when I talk to young couples. Do you extend grace to each other? Do you extend grace to each other? I mean, sometimes we just want to argue and fight and get my way and get my way. And, and, and instead of extending grace, instead of saying, it's okay. It's okay. It's, I just, I'm going to be kind to you and not win the battle because nobody wins the battle. Why would God want us to be kind to other people and not be mean to them and not be rude to them? Because you see, it, it shows others the love of Christ that we have and that they want. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love does not begrudge the success of others. Love puts other people in front of yourself. We are not jealous of what somebody has or what somebody has done. Why, do us, why should we not be jealous? Because it shows the love of Christ to other people. Love does not brag, it says. I'm not in it for the popularity. I'm not in it for the recognition. I'm not serving you because I want something out of it. I serve you because God has told me to serve you. I'm not going to talk about it, not going to brag about it. And also, I understand in my mind. Here's a, here's a, here's a point I, just, I came up with last night. What do you have to brag about? What do you have to brag about? How good you are? How much money you got? How you can do this and that and you have these certain skills? Do you know where that came from? <laughs> do you know where all that came from? Every good and perfect gift comes from above. See, I, and I don't want to, don't be mean about this, but God gave you those abilities to do whatever you're doing. Okay? So why brag about it? If you're only going to brag about something, what are you going to brag about the God who gave you the ability to do whatever he has asked you to do. So we have, no, we have no leg to stand on when we try to brag about ourselves how good we are. Because if, if God didn't give it to you, you ain't got it. <laughs> okay? You ain't got it. Love is not arrogant, prideful. The Bible says God hates pride. Did you know that? God hates pride. He does not like the arrogant because arrogance is pride. Why does he hate pride so much? Why does he not want pride in your life and arrogance and standing around like I'm somebody? Because you see, pride was the reason why Satan got kicked out of heaven and a third of the angels. Pride is what happened in the Garden of Eden. When they said, if you just bite this, have a bite of this, you'll be as smart as God. Well, I want to be as smart as God. See, God hates arrogance. He hates pride. Why does he hate that? Because it does not show the love of God to somebody else. Do not be arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. Does not act rude, hateful, or disgraceful. But it shows honor and respect for people, even though they you might not agree with them. They might look different than you, whatever, whatever. But it says you do not act rude or unbecoming to somebody else. And if you think about that, when you choose not to do that in some sort of relationship, it shows the love of Christ to that person. When you don't react like the word tells you to react. Does not seek its own. Love seeks to serve and not to be served. Uh, love is giving. Love is putting somebody else in, in front of your, yourself. Does not seek a selfish motive. Why? Because it shows the love of Christ 
to someone else. It is not easily provoked, angered, quick-tempered, those kind of things. It is calm in the chaos. Just think about that. You're in a situation, stressful situation. You can either fly off the handle, and what's that going to do? Is that going to show the love of Christ to somebody else? Not happening, is it? We do that because we can show the love of Christ. Does not take an account of wrong suffered. Um, he's forgiven our sins. East to west, we are to extend the favor to other people. In a marriage, I would say you do not dredge up the past. <laughs> you don't go, man, remember what you did a month ago? You remember? Remember what you did a month ago? Remember what you did two weeks ago? Remember what you did last night? No. The Bible says do not take an account of wrong suffered. Forget and forget. Move on. Move on from that so that you can show others the love of Christ. Does not love and rejoice in unrighteousness. True love does not rejoice in sin. True love does not allow sin into your home. True love does not allow evilness to come to you and that you don't want that in your life. You see, it says, it says love, we don't rejoice in sin. We don't rejoice in unrighteousness. We do not rejoice in hatefulness because that does not show the love of Christ to somebody else. But this positive side of that, but rejoices in the truth. And I got to thinking about that. Rejoices in the truth. Rejoices in Jesus. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You see, we rejoice in Christ and the love that he has for us. And because of that, we are honest in our dealings. We do exactly what we're supposed to do. We rejoice knowing that Jesus is in control of our lives. Because when that happens in our lives, we can show the love of Christ to other people. Then it says, we won't talk about these. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. In the last part of that verse, in verse 8, the first part of it, it says, Love never fails. God never fails. Jesus never fails. Because God is love. And Jesus is God. 1 John 4, 11, I just want to read these in closing. Because it also pertains to what we've been talking about here. 1 John 4, 7 through 11. Who just want to read it? He's got that up there, yeah. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. That's what we've been saying. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And everyone who is born of God. Christian believers, followers of Christ. Knows God. The one who does not love does not know God. For God is love. Man, that kind of sticks it right there to you, don't it? The one who does not love does not know God. Hmm. Number nine. But this, the love of God was manifested in us or revealed to us or comes out from us. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world. So that we might live through him. Yes. Verse 10. In this is love. Not that we love God. But that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Wow. In verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. 
If God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Why did Paul last week and John this week say we are to love others? Well, number one, it's a commandment, is it not? It is a commandment we are to love others. It tells the world that we have been truly born again. It tells the world that we are followers of Christ, that we are His disciples. It just shouts to the world because the world that we live in is not a world that wants to show love. And when we show it and express it and and let people have it, it's different from the world. And they want to know what we've got. It is our desire to be obedient to His Word. And by loving without hypocrisy, we truly love. Our love will be shown to other people. God has set a high standard. The bar that we have to get to is pretty high. And the only way that we can get to the bar is if we allow the Holy Spirit to love us, to show us love, to teach us love, to empower us to be able to love the unlovable and to forgive the unforgettable. Rhonda, as you play. There's the, there's the commandment. There's the challenge. I'm throwing it out there to you. Are you going to love other people? Not, maybe not what they do, but who they are. As we begin this time of invitation, as we bow our heads and close our eyes. Who is it that you don't love? Who is it that you struggle with? I would urge you to pray for that person right now, even as we speak. And tomorrow, do the same thing. And tomorrow, do the same thing. Asking the Holy Spirit to change your heart towards that person. And He'll do it because it is a commandment from the Lord that we are to love the unlovable. As the piano plays, the altars are open. Christian, let him change your heart in this area.